Hello and welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast, C-Suite Conversations with Scott Miller. That's me, I'm your host each week. We're now into our second year where each week we bring to you, we think, fascinating conversations from people of all walks of life that have one commonality. That is, is that they work in the C-Suite. Sometimes they earned their way in, sometimes they were invited or even conscripted. But these are great conversations on the journey and the commonalities and the differences people had in their career. Sometimes they were very deliberate and intentional. Other times they were accidental and serendipitous. And today I'm confident that the conversation with Andrea Churn is going to touch on a lot of those different points. You may know her as the chief brand officer of her family's business, the Panda Restaurant Group, where no doubt all of you like me visit weekly because my boys have two favorites, Chick-fil-A and Panda. It's where we go every week multiple times. And so, Andrea, welcome to C-Suite Conversations. Thank you so much, Scott. And how wonderful, by the way, that Panda is a favorite for your family. We are so honored that you visit us on a weekly basis. So thank you. Well, and sometimes twice weekly because the boys, yes, it's true. They want to go to Roos Chris and they want to go to Panda and uh, Chick-fil-A. Roos Chris is not a weekly thing in the Miller house, but trust me, um, I wish it was. Okay. I want to talk a lot about a far ranging career you've had because your education is remarkable. If you were to list off the schools and the degrees, most people would actually stop listening to this podcast because it's quite unrelatable. From an academic standpoint, what you have accomplished, what you've been exposed to is nothing less than Herculean. And so a lot of Ivy League schools and degrees would love to have you talk a little bit about your academics, what that prepared you for, and then we'll kind of move into the invitation to join the family business, now the largest mom-and-pop-owned American Chinese restaurant chain. And we'll talk about why it's called an American Chinese versus Chinese-American. But maybe you could take a few minutes, Andrea, and just reorient our listeners and viewers to maybe the part of your life before becoming the chief brand officer for Panda Restaurant Group. Absolutely, Scott. And I, I need to point something out, which I think is very important. I very much stand on the shoulder of on the, on the shoulders of giants. So as I think about sort of my own story, and yes, I've had incredible opportunities. The most important thing is that I came from a family or my grandmother, who is probably the titan of the family, incredibly smart, was raised um, in the rice paddy fields in Yangzhou, China. And she and my grand grandfather were able to immigrate with my father to the US. And that was the start of opportunity. So yes, I have and I've had the opportunity to be able to earn pretty good degrees and go to pretty good schools, but it all started with the fact that I had very hard working um, grandparents and parents that really paved the way for me. In so fact, that said, oh, go ahead, Scott. Well, let's talk about your grandfather for a moment because yeah. your grandfather was a chef, if I'm not mistaken, right? And in, in, in hotels and restaurants and although Chinese by birth, I think he actually worked in Japan. Maybe since you're there, maybe talk a bit about how this, uh, this culinary bug started with your grandparents and then we'll talk a bit about your own career as well. Absolutely. So what happened was my, my grandparents and my father's parents grew up in a small village, Yangzhou, China, and it's a very rural place. And the opportunity was actually one of being a Chinese chef, unlocking the ability to go to other places, whether it be sort of tai, Taiwan or Japan, was because there was a culinary ability. 
And so my my grandfather was the first to actually travel to Taipei. And what actually ended up happening was that when my my father was a very small child and about sort of three or four years old, he had actually never met his father. And they basically, my grandmother smuggled my father out of Yangzhou into Taiwan to be able to meet my grandfather to actually have the opportunity at a better life. My grandfather at that time was working um, in a large hotel in Taipei, and that was the start of the culinary journey. So that's a little bit in terms of the background story. It's obviously got a lot more to it than that. I'm sure there's more facets of it, but I, I also want to respect your family's privacy too. Let's talk about your own journey. I, I read a story where you weren't planning on joining the family business, which I believe now is more than 2,000 chains, more than 50,000 employees, or probably more. One of the largest uh, restaurant chains where there are more you know, corporate-owned stores than there are franchisees. would love to learn about that as well. But you also talk about how you are the largest American Chinese restaurant yes. chain in the world. So I want you to touch on some of those, starting with this story where I don't think you were planned to come into the restaurant business. And one day your father came up to you. I think you were even laying in bed. And he asked you a series of questions, including something probably misquoted like, well, how will you take care of our people? And you thinking, well, they're your people. They're not my people. And maybe I have that quoted wrong. But I'm sure it's a part of your journey. Take those divergent thoughts and explore them however you'd like. Absolutely. I think that as I was growing up, I grew up in the restaurants. And so there are pictures of me, for example, at sort of the reservation desk of the restaurant. And there are pictures and stories about me sort of entering the kitchen in my family's restaurant and my grandfather picking me up and feeding me hot and sour soup. But as sort of the restaurant grew, it was actually part of me that really wanted to have that independent existence, right? I wanted to be able to earn a name for myself, prove myself separate and apart from my parents. And so I set out sort of on this journey of wanting to sort of, I knew that I, I wanted to be about people and I knew that I wanted to be about the growth, about the respect, about the dignity of people. So I earned my JD MBA and I went on to work in the civil rights division at DOJ and I worked at Morrison and Forrester and I worked on human rights in Singapore. And then on the business side, I worked on social enterprise, double bottom line, triple line, double, triple bottom, uh, triple bottom line businesses. And I worked at sort of a boutique brand strategy firm what actually ended up happening is that about 10 years ago, I got a call from the CEO, who is my mom, and the chief people officer, and there was a question of, will you lead the marketing team? They were looking for someone to lead for a period of time and actually sort of transition from a very strong CMO who had actually found another opportunity and wanted someone to step in. And I said, I can lead for an interim period of time. A, sh a short period of time because I was still very anchored in wanting to sort of establish my own individual story. But as I got here, I think what was very clear to me was the question of, well, what do I do in terms of stewardship? I believe that every person is dealt a deck of cards. And as I thought about my deck of cards and how to play them well, I realized that with this deck of cards leading being part of the leadership of this organization, I could impact tens of thousands of people, our people, the people that work for the business. 
And that was really part of my heart. I love our people. And to your point earlier, Scott, it was implanted because ever since I was a little girl, whether it be sort of at dinner parties or even as I was on my independent, not dinner parties, but our, our family dinners at the, at the end of each night, or whether it be sort of um, when I was on my own independent journey, it was the question of how will you take care of our people, Andrea? How will you take care of our people? And a very centered on the fact that our business is actually all about our people. Does that answer your question? It, it does. In fact, your business started, I think, with a single restaurant. Would you maybe reorient all of our listeners and viewers to the trajectory of where Panda started and, and the, the footprint of where it is today? Absolutely. So we started with one restaurant, which just turned 50 years old. So June 29th was our 50th anniversary of our first restaurant, Pasadena Panda Inn. Now, Pasadena Panda Inn started with my father as front of the house and my grandfather as back of the house. My mother was working. Um, she had graduated with a PhD in electrical engineering, so would do her day job during the day and then come on the evenings and weekends to be able to help out. But really, it was about sort of one family supporting one business. And actually, 50 years later, we have close to 2,500 restaurants and 50,000 of our associates representing 50,000 families help support that 20, those 2,500 restaurants. It's an incredible journey. My father has said that the Panda Inn became successful the year that I was born. And so that was the lucky stars. But when it started, it was not a successful restaurant. My father would run out into the street chasing people down to bring them into the restaurant. And now to be recognizable as the largest Chinese restaurant in the US, arguably the largest Chinese restaurant chain known globally, that is quite a privilege and an honor and one that all credit to the Panda Pioneers all credit to Team Panda and all credit to Andrew and Peggy. So basically you were raised in a slacker family where you had to pull yourself up. I mean, it's amazing. I love that you drop your mom has a PhD in electrical engineering and is the CEO of what we call an American Chinese restaurant. In fact, that's a term that I think your family uses is not Chinese American, but American Chinese. What's the genesis of that small branding twist? Sure, absolutely. I think it became very important to think about sort of um, Chinese American is often referred to as an identity, a personhood. People are Chinese Americans. We wanted to think about sort of a business and a brand identity as American Chinese, so flipping the words, but also indicating that we are a company that is American born with Chinese origins. We are very much an American company, but we honor our Chinese origins, the recipes, the flavors, the traditions of China. And our job is to be that bridge, that sort of purveyor, that storyteller, that, that invitation to a table to experience our version of American-born Chinese food. Andrea, I believe that one of your responsibilities as chief brand officer is also for menu innovation. To the extent that is accurate and true, uh, I don't see many things changing when I walk into Panda. It seems very consistent. It's obviously pristine in terms of the cleanliness and the presentation. Your staff seems to be engaged and well-groomed and focused on customer service. I mean, it's just a first-class operation. It's hard to find things wrong when you walk into a Panda restaurant. I'm guessing you balance consistency with expectations with also innovation. 
What's your formula to ensure that you're, let me pivot. One of the most frustrating things to do is to be a, a restaurant attendee and walk in and say, well, where is the, where's the, where's the cashew stuffed avocado, my favorite restaurant? It's my favorite thing. Well, we took it off the menu. We were bored with it. Well, I wasn't bored with it, not Panda, somewhere else. And so I know there is this balance between giving the customer what they want, but also leading them to where you think they also want to be. I'm sure I had that mixed up accurately. How do you balance that uh, opportunity? It's a great question. And I think one of the things that we think about is what is the role that we want to play as a brand? And the role that we want to play as a brand is just like your family, Scott, comes to Panda every week. We want to be that weekly invitation for all of our guests to get their American Chinese comfort food, right? So we will always be serving the American Chinese comfort food that you can count on. But one of the roles that we have played since inception is actually to popularize American Chinese food, to teach people more about Chinese flavors, Chinese origins, Chinese wok cooking. So you can come to us for your comfort food, and we can also bring you on a very safe adventure. And that safe adventure involves, hey, can we introduce you to the mouth-tingling spice of Sichuan flavors, right? Can we also sort of create something new that you haven't seen before, like an orange chicken sandwich? Can we bring that to you? Would you be interested in portability and our orange chicken burrito, where you can get sort of the equivalent of bowl, but wrapped in a scallion pancake burrito? So it's having the comforts, but also introducing those doses of adventure for those that want to experience something a little bit different in you. I love to see your passion come out of that when you talk about the culinary side of the business, which of course is next to your people, the most important side of your business. <clears throat> Let's talk about your parents for a moment. Um, those subscribers to this podcast know that I've been an associate of Franklin Covey for nearly 30 years. <clears throat> Pardon me. And about 17 years ago, I had the privilege of meeting your parents, Dr. Covey, who has passed about 11 years ago from the injury um, sustained in a bicycle accident. He was launching, I think, one of his latest books at the time, and there was a, a, a conclave, if you will, up at, at the Snowbird Ski Resort. It was the fall, it was chilly, and your parents, your mother and your father, were two of the invited guests to come and spend a couple of days with Dr. Covey. They, of course, built a strong friendship, and Panda Express was a philanthropic investor in Franklin Covey's Leader in Me initiatives for many years. A, a massive, um, uh, generous gift you gave the schools that were participating in our um, Leader in Me program. We'll talk about your philanthropy in a moment. But I remember meeting your parents in the lobby and just the word that comes to mind is graciousness. Two of the most obviously successful entrepreneurs in our country, if not the world. But you could just, they emanated gratitude, respect, humility, generosity. I'm guessing those are words that define the family values in the churn home. What's it been like to watch your parents' evolution, obviously from humble means, to become these business titans that are so focused on not just you know, capitalist job growth and, and building profit, but creating opportunities for customers, employees, but also the philanthropy. I'm guessing you've seen some evolution in your parents. What has stayed the same and what has changed? Absolutely. I deeply admire Andrew and Peggy Chern. Um, and 
I think one of the biggest things that I tell people is when you look for who you're going to work for, look for someone where there's an alignment in terms of values. Do you respect who they are as people? Do they live by a set of values that you want to follow? You might disagree around strategies and tactics, but if you trust their intentions, you know that you're in the right place. And I think that with Andrew and Peggy, with my parents, they have never wavered in terms of their values. Their values have to do with how do we take care of our people? How do we ensure that we stay a company where our people are treated like family, that they are cared for, that they are given opportunities? How do you embody a level of humility and hard work? How do you um, always push with a level of grittiness, right? There is an intensity that they actually embody. There is hard work that they embody, and there is a gratitude. They will be the first to say it is because of our people. It is because we've had the opportunities in the U.S. that we've become the people that we have become. And so I love that their values have stayed consistent. And part of their values is also what has always changed about them, which is they are consistently students. They're always learning. I can say that Andrew turned from the days that I, I was little to who he is now, he's a different person because no matter how high he has risen, no matter how much money he has earned, no matter, no, much, no matter how much clout, there's always a lesson to be learned. And with Peggy as well, no matter how many degrees, no matter how many people love her, every day embodies a lesson where they can learn and get better. And I've watched both of them get better through the years. And so that's the lesson that I carry. How can I be consistent in my values, but how can I always have the mindset that there's always something to learn, always ways that I can get better? Andrea, I think it's important to share that although I'm no longer an, ex an executive officer of Franklin Covey, I know this company's journey from Dr. Stephen R. Covey. And I think the sim similarities he and his wife, Sandra, and our other co-founder, Hiram Smith, and his wife, Gail, had similar levels of success and their commitment to philanthropy and causes they were passionate about, you know, no to no bounds. Dr. Covey wrote a book called The Leader in Me. And this book was really about applying the habits that are in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People content into schools around the world. This massive footprint of schools that are building great leadership capability in students and teachers and administrators alike. And it was your parents that I believe deserve a lot of credit for believing in Dr. Covey's vision for taking these leadership principles into schools around the world. Your foundation was a kickstart funder for the leader in me has now gone on to become, you know, uh, the recipient of other funds, both philanthropic and otherwise. But I really think it speaks to this dual mission that your restaurant group has, more than dual, right? I mean, you're providing careers and you're changing lives of families, financial stability. You're providing great service to my boys and myself, but you're also, known for this massive footprint of philanthropy. Can you talk about how that guides your parents and your leadership team on how you give back from the immense success you and your customers and team members have created and been rewarded with? Absolutely. We think about in our company three different audiences. We think about sort of our people as an audience, we think about our guests as an audience, and we think about our communities as an audience. 
but it also starts with our own journey. And our company was founded by immigrants to the U.S. And as immigrants to the U.S., both my parents came with nothing. And as they rose, they earned more. But the beauty of their story is that they brought other people with them. And in bringing other people with them, it is bringing with them the opportunities that they themselves have gotten. They are a beautiful American dream success story. How do you make dreams and opportunities possible for all three of our different audiences? For our communities, it is the heart of Peggy Churn is around Panda Cares, and it's really focusing on the health and education of underserved children in our communities. And so since 1999, we have raised over $300 million that is being dedicated back to our communities, whether it be in terms of Panda Care Centers of Hope across the country in boys and girls clubs, or whether it be in support of, again, sort of causes that advance the educational opportunities um, for people and kids in, that are in need. So there is an element in terms of how we serve our communities, and there's also an element in, in terms of how we serve our people. And you talked about sort of Stephen Covey, and you talked about sort of, we are a longtime student of, of sort of um, the Covey organization, whether it be the seven habits or the speed, or speed of trust, because there are leadership tenants there that actually help us be better in terms of being that people first organization. How do we build the habits in um, habits that help our people actually be better people leaders, help them be a better impact on the people in their stores. Because in our stores, if we are better people leaders, those better people leaders incubate an environment where people have purpose in their work. And if they have purpose in their work, our associates do an even better job of creating that spirit of hospitality for you and for your family and for the other guests that come to us every week. Andrea, you serve on a variety of boards when it comes to uh, Asian American education, uh, social justice, uh, and advancement. Uh, it's no secret that there has been, you know, a, a sustained level of hate, of, uh, of hate crime, of attacks, of disparaging comments on the Asian American community. Some of that was, you know, exacerbated by COVID and different people's perspectives on that. You mentioned in our opening that you have a passion around social justice and you've worked, I think, for the Justice Department. What would you like all of our listeners and viewers to know about the Asian American community, about the American Chinese community? What would you like in this platform for people to know that perhaps they have either misinformation or no information or don't have a real good idea of what the atmosphere, the environment, the political culture has been like for Asian Americans the last several years? It's a beautiful question, Scott. And thank you for the privilege of asking that question and having me answer. I think about an illustration. Many years ago in San Francisco, there was um, tagging of different buildings. And in the tagging of different buildings, it was hate-filled tagging. So basically the scribing of no more Chinese, no more Chinese in my neighborhood, no more Chinese in my community. And I think that one of the things that we at Panda aspire to do is to bring a sense of understanding, um, to bring a sense of, can we tell you the stories of 
our cultural background? Can we tell you the American stories of people of Chinese and Asian descent so that we can shift the narrative from no more Chinese to adding a K and a W to the no so that you can know more Chinese? I think it starts with the rise of anti-Asian hate. The response is one of, can we help you understand the impact that AAPIs have had on this country? Can we share a little bit more of the stories of what it means to be people of Chinese origin born in America? As you think about sort of the embrace that Chinese food has had, can there also be an embrace of the stories and the narratives of the people behind the food? That's one of the things that I'd love, us to, invi love to invite us to do. And I am part of and want to also sort of say, I want to be a part of understanding other people's experiences and stories as well. It isn't just about sort of how do we share our stories as a megaphone into the world, but it is about how do we start a dialogue with people of different backgrounds and different experiences and how do we share those stories so there's greater appreciation of the diversity and the differences of our experiences. Because I believe that the beauty of America is that it's a, it's a country of immigrants. It's a country that, that brings together people of very different backgrounds and it's in the conversation and in the dialogue and the understanding and the unity that will be our strength. Andrea, thank you for the answer. I want to end this on a very practical note. This has been a very aspirational interview. Thank you for agreeing to participate in that aspect. I'd like you to speak to the millions of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people with side hustles, leaders of teams that are building businesses. Can you answer with a couple of very practical, replicable, genius things that Panda does? Things that anybody else could do if they had the same systems or processes or mindsets. And, and, I, and, and we've talked about culture and believing in your people. We've talked about the role that leaders play. Beyond those, those important ingredients, what are some things that Panda does best class that other people should learn to thrive in their own businesses? Absolutely. I will give you three. The first is that um, I'll, I'll play off of the name of Panda. So Panda is a P and an A, a Peggy and an Andrew, right? That is not really the origin of our name of Panda, but it is a helpful, um, it's a helpful device. And as you think about sort of a P and an A, you think about sort of compliments in leadership. Andrew is sort of visionary entrepreneur, unreasonable in sort of how hard he will push. Peggy is a disciplined electrical engineer that will put the systems in place. For every leader on their team, they need to know you do not need to be the final and the only answer. Understand what your strengths are and find your complement and know that it is in the teamwork that you will succeed. The second thing that I will talk about is we have a Pandacaris Foundation. But I think the core of our culture is actually knowing that the leaders actually care about their people. There is a chef in Texas that has been with us for a very, very long time. Every time Andrew goes on store visits around that area, he will come with a picture of them and their first visit and Andrew will sign and they will sit down and talk. No matter the level, no matter the role, how can you as a leader show that you care about the individual stories and the individual lives of your people.
that also becomes really important. And I think the third thing that I would sort of say is it also becomes very important to know now that as you rise, you will not have the full perspective of what happens in a room. You will no longer have the most informed view because the room changes once you enter into the room. So that's where you also count on the ability and sort of others in the room. Oprah has said something like it's the person in the room that has the least amount of authority that has the clearest view. You might be able to make the call, but make sure that you get the points of view of the people in the room so you are the most informed to be able to have that authority and make that call. Forget Panda, you should be opening up a leadership development company because that was beautifully said. I want to end our time saying uh, I want to thank you and your parents for the friendship you had with our co-founder, Stephen Covey. He spoke lovingly and often about your parents at our company town halls and at our sales conferences and our board meetings. And there wasn't a meeting that didn't go by where Dr. Covey would talk about the inspiration that your parents were. Thank you for your business, by the way. And we appreciate the massive investment you all made into the leader in me to really make that become a supremely accessible and successful school leadership program. Andrea Churn, Chief Brand Officer for Panda Restaurant Groups, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much, Scott. What an honor. Thank you. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation from the C-Suite. <laughs>